Hello there. I've been looking forward to this. This is where the fun begins. Take a seat. Ladies and gentlemen, clones and clankers, welcome back to another edition of the Jedi Jargon Podcast. This is episode 16. My name is Jedi Master Jeff, and I'm the boy who faced Darth Maul at Disney World and lived to tell the tale. And this right here, this is Jedi Master Obi, and he first experienced the franchise through Lego Star Wars. Obi, how you doing, man? Master Jeff, I am doing fine. I am ready to talk about the latest installment of The Mandalorian. I know you and I have not really talked about this episode since it came out last Friday, and I am very excited to dig into it. Oh yeah, I'm ready to dig in, and I'm ready for the finale tomorrow, or rather this coming morning. Um, I don't Actually, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know I, if I'm ready to like say goodbye to the season yet. I completely agree. I don't know if I'm ready either, uh, especially because we're going to have to wait more than a year <laughs> for the next season. I mean, I'm, oh, I I'm, I'm very, I'm okay with that. You know, I'm okay waiting because it's a quality product that we get. But at the same time, man, it's a year. And if this past year has, you know, shown us anything, a year is a long time. Definitely is, man. But at least it's coming in 2021 and not uh, like 2022, right? Right, right. And hopefully, uh, as I know you were mentioning to me earlier, uh, hopefully the Bad Batch comes out sometime soon. You know, probably, hopefully, summer of 2021. Hopefully, we're not waiting too long for that. That would be most welcome. You know, so like we can have May some... fourth. Oh, that'd be great. Just so we can have something fresh to talk about uh, on the podcast and on the discourse, in the discourse online. Uh, because, you know, it's going to be a long time between now and season three. I know the past two seasons, it was, what, late October, early November for both of those. Uh, and they're going with a Christmas release for season three of The Mandalorian. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. I am very excited, as you as you said, for the season finale uh, later later today. I, I guess tomorrow still, uh, as we're as we're recording. I hope it's one of the longer episodes. I I wonder how it's going to turn out, and we'll get into that later in the show uh, after we discuss last week's episode. So so it's been a few weeks since we've discussed Mando. Um, I'm sure anyone who's listening is caught up, but the last we saw Mando, he was separated from Grogu um, after they finally met with Ahsoka Tano we learned a little bit more about Grogu's backstory how he was actually raised and trained in the Jedi Temple on Coruscant which is a and we learned his name Grogu right a couple of pretty big revelations about the child and of course after we learned so much about him uh, we lose him He's taken by Moff Gideon and his Dark Troopers. Uh, is that what we're calling them? Yep, right? they are canonically Dark Troopers. They are. And they're awesome. Um, very much a... I was getting big Iron Man energy from uh, from them. When they oh, flew yeah. down and took, took the kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Dark Troopers were actually in some video game. I don't... It's before our time, unfortunately. <laughs> um, from the late so. from the late 90s, early 2000s, I think yeah, it was. It was an N64 game. I think I have it right here in my in my room. Uh, I think it's like Dark Empire or Shadows of the Empire. I think that's what it's called. That might be it, yeah. First person shooter. Early sh- first person shooter. Pretty mm-hmm. cool. I played a few minutes of it. But anyway, Grogu and Din Djarin are separated. And uh, we're left at an interesting crossroads um, at the end of chapter 14. Uh, he travels back 
to see Marshall Dune to track down a certain sharpshooter uh, for his uh, expertise and imperial knowledge for this week. And that takes us to this week, or rather last week at the time of recording, sure. chapter 15. So let me just, I'll just go ahead right now and give a blanket spoiler warning to anyone who has not seen this episode. If you haven't seen this episode, I don't know why you're listening to us right now because, it, you know, it's in the title. <laughs> uh, but happy to have you. Happy to have you. Watch. You know, come on in. The, uh, the temple's open. The, uh, <laughs> the bantha milk is warm. But just a blanket spoiler warning for anyone who has not seen uh, the most recent episode of The Mandalorian, The Believer. All right, you've been forewarned from this point on. Strictly spoiler territory. Take it away, Jeff. So this episode opens on the like trash planet of well what was the planet um i have no idea oh god i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> off to a great start today <laughs> i don't think it much matters i mean he's in a he's in a prison so we see we see mayfeld uh he's serving time for killing uh the new republic officer played by matt lanter last season and the the episode opens and we see the same type of prison ship from that same episode, the prisoner last season fly over another repurposed ATAT Walker. Uh, we see Mayfeld working on the chain gang, which is pretty cool. And he is stripping old Imperial tie fighters. So he's serving his sentence for, for killing the new Republic officer, uh, kind of, you know, in, in the doldrums. And we see an, a new Republic security droid and come, come over and start talking to him. And I love seeing new Republic, uh, you know, soldiers, uh, officials in action. Really cool. We see the New Republic logo, the the crest. Pardon me, with the rebel symbol and this and the stars around it to represent the uh, what was it the the members of the member planets of the New Republic. Yeah. Uh, yep. And this droid says to Mayfeld. Um, says to Mayfeld, uh, "You have new orders." Right. Uh, Marshall Dune will be here to pick you up shortly for a new assignment. Right. 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 And then and then Cara Dune comes over and and remands you know prisoner three four six six seven to her custody being being Mayfeld. And he's like you know what the hell what do you what do you want like blah blah. Where are you taking me? Where are you taking you know, me? What's going on? It's customary to tell someone where you're taking them before right. you take them there. Right. Right. Which right. is pretty funny. And he's he's pretty funny about it. Uh, I mean. Uh, I mean, Bill Burr is just a funny guy in general, and we're going to talk about it a little bit through the episode, but his accent freaking killed me. Uh, the existence of Bill Burr in space means there is a, uh, confirms the existence of Boston in space. So I would love to see that. <laughs> I would love to see yeah. that. So the, dude, the accent, it just freaking killed me. So we see Cara Dune and Mayfeld walking over to uh, Slave One, and we see Boba Fett walking out, right? And for a second, I thought it was going to be Mando. Uh, apparently, Mayfeld thought it was going to be Mando, too, because he's like, oh, I thought you were some, you know, I thought you were this other guy. Uh, and first of all, let me just get into it. Boba Fett's new paint job, that was this week, right? That wasn't last week? That was. That was this uh, week. This yeah. week. Dude, that thing was freaking sick. 
it looked fantastic. It looked he fantastic. Looking, he was looking better than he did in the original trilogy. I like uh, that they went with a matte finish to it. Yeah. Because it would have been one thing to just repaint it as it would have looked in its prime. But I love that they went with a with a new iteration of it. And it was also confirmed in last the previous episode that this is the same armor that Django Fett had. I don't know if we knew that up to this point. No, we we didn't know that. Um, you could kind of intuit that, you know? Like, you you could kind of figure, like, okay, yeah, his armor looks similar to Django Fett's. Maybe he painted over it, right. you know, over the years or something like that. But what's interesting about that, to me, and maybe, you know, if you go back to Clone Wars and you see him... Ah, there was one cluster of episodes that revolved around Boba when he was a little bit older. Um, he wasn't wearing his dad's armor at that time. Maybe it just didn't fit him yet. Maybe he hadn't grown into it yet and he did still own it. But I, I wonder if there's some sort of small story there as to how he was able to actually get his hands on his dad's armor. Or maybe he just had it the whole time. But right. Regardless. Regardless, it's his. It's, it's his father's armor and now it's his armor. And it's really cool that they, you know, throughout the series, throughout the, the saga, if you will, they've given that armor a number of different paint jobs. And I love they just didn't go back to the previous iteration. You know, it's it's the next evolution of it. And to see it in that nice matte finish, it just, I don't know, what, something about it, it just, it just looked sick. It just looked really, really awesome. Really clean. Really clean. Really, exactly. Really clean. Uh, I thought that line about, oh, I thought you were some other guy when he was talking about Mando, and then you see Mando, and then you hear the little like bird screech with the like with the with the with the, with the, <laughs> little, the, the bass recorder or whatever. Yeah, like the little Mando little light motif. Uh, that was it. Was just so it was so precious. Uh, so they need Mayfeld to come on this mission for his knowledge of Imperial protocols because he was a former Imperial, obviously. So it cuts to inside Slave One, and we get this interesting. Uh, it. it interesting shot of them taking off now, i don't know about you i've always wondered like logistically or like schematically how the slave one operates because when you it, it goes from horizontal to like vertical the orientation of it along the yeah on its axis or whatever mm-hmm. uh so you I, I always thought like oh when they get in they must be like on their backs but it's like there's like an inner cabin and then the outer structure like moves around them so they're always sitting upright if that makes sense it's pretty cool. Yeah, there's like some sort of like gravity control or the interior yeah, like on a, access. Yeah, like a gyroscope or something. Yeah. So they have to go to Morak, Mayfeld tells them, to an, a secret Imperial mining facility to access uh, like a, like a, a, data, a data terminal yeah. to find the coordinates of uh, Moff Gideon's ship. And here we go. We're, we're in it. Uh, by the way, I loved when Mando refers to Boba as Fett. It's just they have such like a, I don't yeah, know. They have like a good working relationship. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and I and I think that's one of the great like uh, misdirects of this whole season, right? When we first got hints of Boba Fett last season after the gunslinger and we saw him after the, the, the first episode, not the pilot, but the first episode or... Was it the first episode or second episode? The of this first season? episode of this season was with Cobb Vanth. Yeah, so it was at the end of that one uh, where we first see him. I wouldn't have thought that he'd be helping Mando, right? I, I really didn't. You know, uh, it's kind of a surprising thing when you when you really think about it. Yeah, but I also agree. It, I agree. It, I mean, it makes sense though. 
because he doesn't have any true allegiance. So, you know, he scratched his back. So Exactly. I mean, all he wanted was his armor back at the end of the day. And then right. once he gets that, uh, and he realizes that he kind of owes Mando a debt in some respects. You know, now he's him and Fennec Shand are going to go help him get the child back, hopefully. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I really thought that he would be more of an adversary. But exactly. of course, you know, once he got what he wanted, I mean, you know, what, what quarrel does he have to use to use their lexicon? Uh, so it then cuts to Morak, which, by the way, it looked like something out of like Hawaii Five O. You know the the scenery. It looked like it looked like it looked like you know Hawaii or Indonesia or or, or some type Vietnam, of Pacific, yeah, exactly some Pacific uh, uh, country. And so we see that there are these trucks, these shuttles, uh, along driving along a road. And first of all, have we seen wheels in Star Wars before? That's a really good point. We've seen and we've seen tracks. I don't think so. We've seen tracks no. like of a tank on the Jawa's sand crawler. Right. I don't think we've seen wheels. But wheels, though. Maybe just probably. on the landing gears of like X wings, but that's yeah, that probably probably somewhere. But normally it's the repulsor lifts that that carry these these bad Larrys. Uh, so anyway, so they all get out and they're overlooking this facility and they're debating who's gonna go with Mayfeld, and Fennec Shan's like, "Oh, I can't. I'm wanted by ISB, the Imperial Security Bureau," and uh, Cara Dune was like, "I'll go," and. And this was a funny thing where like Bill Burr's accent really came through, and it was just wicked funny. Uh, <laughs> when he when when Cara Doom was like, "Oh, I'll go," <laughs> and he's like, "Really? You drop trooper? You're gonna be detected?" And then it's guns out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true. Though. It was good. And then we get the best line I think of the of the show uh, when Boba Fett said. As for why he couldn't go, he was like, let's just say they might recognize my face. <laughs> it's like, of course they're going to recognize your face. He looks the same as every uh, like series of one stormtrooper or whatever it was. Every clone. Well, I thought, see, like, I actually took that more of like a, as like a, like a, a joke to his, his helmet. Like they might actually just, they might like, rem- like uh, recognize his helmet as him being Boba Fett, the bounty hunter that worked. Interesting. Interesting. Like I thought it was like a helmet joke. Huh. I didn't actually take it as like a clone template joke, but uh, yeah, no, I, it I could be that too. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely. I mean, I think you could be right. I just think it. I think it's more on the side of the clones because if you think yeah. about it, in terms of like the entire galaxy, who would know of Boba Fett the bounty hunter? But if you compare that to the, you know, what was it the two hundred thousand with a million more well on the way clones, in terms yeah, of the exactly. likelihood of knowing a clone's face. Uh, but regardless, wicked funny line. And then Mando's like, screw it, I'll go. And 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 space Bill Burr Mayfeld was like, Oh no, nah, dude, you're you can't they, they you you're you're wearing a Mando helmet. You know, unless you're gonna take the helmet off, you can't we can't do this. And he's like, No, no, I'm gonna go and I'm not gonna take my helmet off. So they're they're gonna go do the thing. Uh and by the way, one thing this episode does really well in my opinion is through the use of Bill Burr it brings such an everyman disposition to the universe. It's like he yeah. acts like how any guy on the streets of Boston would act in Star Wars. Kind of like how C-3PO and R2-D2 were kind of used in the original trilogy as like observers or like a Greek chorus, you know, to to, to describe what's going on and react to it like 
a regular person would in the in those instances. I really feel like Mayfeld kind of fulfills that role where everyone else is, you know, obviously, you know, they fit really well within the universe and, and they don't really stick out. Mayfeld sticks out, but like in a good way, I think. Right. In a way that I I mean I believe like any of us who would be in that universe would make such remarks that we'll that we'll get into later. Exactly. And I think he might be my favorite supporting character that's been introduced in this show so far. I agree. Um, I agree. Because he just adds so much personality. And he's a masshole in the Star Wars universe. So I couldn't be more happy with that. Right. Right. And, I, and I, even beyond the fact that he's a masshole, just the, just the disposition he brings to his character and just how he, how he grounds it in how a regular person would act, I think that's very important. Because one thing that I think a lot of characters in Star Wars do, and it's fine, it's what Star Wars is, is they just take themselves too seriously, and he just doesn't. Right. So so we get an interesting back and forth between Mayfeld and, and Din Djarin in the shuttle. Uh, and, and by the way, so, so they have this shuttle that they have to take over, and it's carrying Rhydonium, which is a highly combustible fuel source in the Star Wars universe. So Cara Dune... Mayfeld and, and, and Din Djarin take over this shuttle with two stormtroopers, or they're called juggernauts in this instance, in it, and they take their armor and what you know and whatnot. Um, and Mayfeld remarks about how silly Mando looks. Yeah, Cara I Dune, thought that was pretty funny. Cara Dune's like, you don't look too good. Um, and it, it was funny. <laughs> it was funny to see Mando in armor that is not his own and we'll get into that in a little bit as well and it um, was i also appreciated when mayfeld was slipping on his armor he commented on how sweaty and smelly it was which like is another thing that you don't yeah, really he's think like, about he, with stormtrooper yeah he's right? like this guy reeked oh these gloves <laughs> these gloves they're still wet <laughs> <laughs> which is disgusting and like something that you just was never really said out loud right i mean uh, from but... from indiana jones to star wars you always see them taking someone else's armor or uniform or what have you. And you never think about that. Right. So, uh, but this episode, I know, I know obviously that one big selling point to the Mandalorian is like every episode takes on a different Hollywood style. And this one's definitely the heist movie style. Yeah. Um, and, and it, and it worked really well. So as, as Mayfeld and, and, and Din Djarin are driving along, carrying this Rhydonium, we see some shots of villagers of Morak uh, and I think this is meant to show the impact of the galactic conflict between the Empire, the Rebellion, you know, the, the New Republic, the First Order, um, eventually. And then we get a bit of Mayfeld, the political philosopher. And he says, how are the Mandalorians any different than the Empire, forced to fight in wars that they don't choose to fight in? Um, and then he remarks that it seems to him like Mando's rules start to change when he gets desperate. Right, And he says, is it that you can't take your helmet off, you can't take the Mando helmet off, or that you can't show your face? Because there's a difference. And that's interesting. And I think that, and this is, again, this is Bill Barr, Bill Barr, Bill Burr, <laughs> um, kind of fulfilling the role of, you know, probing into our characters. And that's, he, I mean, he has to be an everyman for that to happen. You know, someone with a different perspective, someone that doesn't take himself as seriously as everyone else does, to to fulfill that role of of questioning yeah, the kind of conventional cynic, wisdom. Right? Exactly, exactly. Kind of a cynic, and it's interesting that he asks Mando these questions, and he 
is clearly making him he doesn't you can't see his face he's covered up in armor but he's clearly uncomfortable right he's so stiff sitting there you know as they're riding along and mayfeld's talking at him mando isn't even saying anything because he's so uncomfortable being in this stormtrooper armor you know out of his element not in his armor right and uh the fact that he's just he's raising these questions like what is the rule anyway are you supposed to stay in your armor look at you you're not even following your own rules like <laughs> you know Din Djarin probably feels like you know like shit you know he yeah. probably he probably feels like he's you know breaking all the rules like he's going against everything that he believes in that he's been you know right. raised to believe um I mean in this instance Mayfeld is being the middle school or high school bully that is being incredibly hurtful but is is right on the money with what he's saying exactly you know it's, he a, is, it's almost like you know Maybe not even a bully, but it's it's kind of like when a good friend calls you out, you know, for for your bullshit. Yeah. You know, like if yeah. if I'm, you know, with a good friend and I know that this good friend is a, let's say, uh, you know, they're, uh, uh, you know, a Catholic or whatever. Right. And they they start, you know, uh, I don't know. Going down a path you can't follow. <laughs> they They start you know, contradicting their own beliefs, right? Like, if they start, uh, you know, taking the Lord's name in vain, or, you know, a devout Catholic, someone who goes to church every Sunday, and they talk about how much they go to church every Sunday, they start, you know, breaking the rules a little bit. You call them out on that, right? Like, and you kind of make that person question what it is they even are, are doing, right? And people have done that to me all, all the time. And I think it's, you know, I think it's an important thing, right? Like, uh, right. Mayfeld, he's just a, he's a funny guy. He doesn't pull any of his punches. So he's just gonna, he's one of those people that will just, you know, throw it right in your face, right? Like, right. you're a Mandalorian. You're, you're, you're devout. What are you doing? Right. Yeah. It's like, he doesn't care either way. He just wants to know what the deal is. Exactly. Right. And then he remarks that him and Mando, he says, you know, we're all the same. And if you can do what you do and still sleep at night, you're better than most. Which is interesting because a lot of Star Wars is, when you think about it, pretty dark. You know, yeah. people, I mean, if you look at any of these characters in Star Wars, they've all killed people. Yeah. You know, if you can na- if you can think of any character in Star Wars, the likelihood is is that they've killed someone, and to be able to rectify that when your head's on the pillow, it it's not really discussed. You know, it's more so for the action. And it's not really examined. So this is the first instance that I I can remember of someone, you know, reckoning with what they've done. But he doesn't get enough time to really flesh that out because we get space pirates. This is like something out of Solo or Mad Max. Uh, These pirates are, are coming at them in their shuttle trying to get the, I almost said coaxium. Uh, the right, the Rhydonium. Same thing, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, right. Yeah. Very valuable, a MacGuffin, highly volatile. Yeah, a MacGuffin's a MacGuffin, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, my question, though, is why would the pirates be trying to blow up the Rhydonium? And the answer that I think is because they're not pirates at all. They're insurgents trying to fight against the Empire. Because as we find out later in the episode, this Rhydonium is going to be refined and used in a way that is worse than Operation Cinder is what uh, Hess says, if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken. Right. So I feel like these people are 
in some essence, freedom fighters trying to fight against the tyranny of the imperial remnants. Now, again, once again, we don't have enough time in a 35-minute episode to delve into this. Uh, Din Djarin and, and, and Mayfeld don't have enough time to explain to them that, oh, we're not really Imperials. You know, <laughs> right. we're on a mission to, to do something else. It's like, no, we're trying to do this thing. These guys are in our way, regardless of, you know, where they might stand on the moral spectrum and how bad the Empire might be. We need to stop them. So Mando goes and he, and he starts fighting them and he shoots one of them. And, and Mayfeld says, oh, what are you doing shooting, you know, near the, co- the, the coaxium? The Rhydonium. Coaxium. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then Mando jumps on top of the of the shuttle and we get a we get a bit of a fist fight, a la Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade on the tank. That's what it reminded me of at least. Right. Um, and this is really cool. And this gets into some of the allegories and the symbolism of the episode, uh, where Mando is not wearing his best car. So he is exposed. And the punches and the attacks hit a little harder they hit a little harder um they crack right through the you know the plastoid armor that he's wearing right it's no it's no beskar right right and apparently you can run out of ammo with a blaster i don't know if we've seen this before but uh my guess is it probably just jammed because it's just a trashy imperial pistol right like it could have been that's that was what that was my thing right that was Mm -hmm. my takeaway that like was just some cheap weapon you know kind of going right along with the quality of you know the thing you were saying about the armor right that he's exposed it's just this cheap imperial trash like right of course it's going to malfunction now i'd like to get into this a little more towards the end of the episode but i think that this is some little little symbolism sprinkled in there uh with with respect to his armor with how he is taking his hits harder how the imperial armor isn't protecting him as well and i think it's saying to us and it's representing how exposed he is regarding his desperation to save grogu yeah you know he's He's changing he he is stripping away the armor kind of like an iron man was iron man 2 or iron man 3 3 iron man 3 when he has to learn to fight and exist without the armor because the it's not the armor that maketh the man right it's the man which maketh the man at the end of the day um, yes. But listen, dude. Even without his armor, he still fucks. He does. You know, <laughs> he definitely does. He knows how to fight and he knows how to kill. That's for sure. Yeah. And these pirates, they just keep coming, and he he keeps murking them. This is their home, after all. We this kind is, of yeah, intuited right. that, right? And after he, you know, kills the first wave off, then we see like all the other pirates and like the four other speeders or sledder, sleds or whatever, whatever they are and they all start up their thermal detonators <laughs> and it reminded me of uh, The Last Jedi. <laughs> it's like, do you want more? Yeah, I know, right? You know, that that was a bit of uh, a bit of comedy right there. And just as they're about to get them and we hear the TIE Fighters, right? That was my poor attempt at a TIE Fighter impression. Oh, that was excellent. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Do you want to try? Yeah, you may have a future in VL, man. Oh, word, thanks. No, yeah, I think you should you should try. Let's see, let's hear it. My best Tie Fighter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm just trying. I'm just thinking of that like video of that like little dog when they like <laughs> when the dog when like the, the, the like these people picked up their little dog at the vet. Um, he sounded like the Tie Fighters. It was right. so funny. That's we'll funny. have to link that in our Twitter. 
Yeah, please do. Oh, no. You got it. Okay. I did. I did. You got to do it. Okay, I have to do it. Right, I have let's to do it. it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's not, not even it at all. I I'm not good with sound effects, man. I'm. Dude, I'm... you sounded like you sounded like a dog that was run over by a speeder by someone who had <laughs> had one too many. Uh, one too many spotchkas. One too many spotchkas at Texas Diner. Oh man, I'm no D. Bradley Baker, man. I, I I don't know how to do the. I'm not good with creature sounds, and I'm not good with like machinery sound effects. Right, right. That's okay. Um, That's okay. If we if we ever have D. Bradley Baker on our podcast, which you know, hopefully someday we do. Yeah, I've um, been thinking we should uh, we should pay him to do a little cameo, so we get the audio of him doing our doing our intro for us. That'd be pretty cool. That would be really cool. We could have him. We could have him do that. I know. Yeah, like out of, the, does out of cameos. the Clone Wars. Um, like one of the like the intro to the Clone Wars. Yes, that'd, that'd be, be dope. That'd be fantastic. We just need more. Uh, well, the, the, well, I actually wonder. Will 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 Republic credits do fine? I wonder what he'd say to that. No, they won't. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would Republic, love to have uh, Wa- Watto do, do an intro. That'd be great. Welcome <laughs> to Jedi Dunkin. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, clones and clankers, welcome to the Jedi Jargon Podcast. Annie? I know. Little Annie. <laughs> <laughs> and I know. Um, Yippee! I know Ahmed Best has a cameo as well. Oh yeah. Um. um what, what, what would that? What would that one sound like? It would sound like. Uh... Oh God! Oh God! Misa Jaja Binks. Okay, this. You should save my Jedi You should save my life, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Jedi Jargon Pod. <laughs> yeah. Gonna have a bombad good time. Gonna have a bombad good time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that'd be good. Oh god. If you haven't clicked away oh. by now, listeners, I don't blame you. If you have. Oh, that'd be so good. Dude, so anyway, so I've I literally never thought that I would cheer so hard for a TIE fighter as I did in that scene though. Oh, it was the most welcome surprise. It was. <laughs> I was, <laughs> dude, I was freaking pumped. I was so pumped. It was pretty cool too to see the the uh, the stormtroopers humanized a little bit as they cheered and saluted Mando and Mayfeld. I know it was kind of weird. Did you notice actually. the one trooper on the right side of the road that was saluting with his left hand though? That was kind of weird, but did you notice that? I didn't notice it. Yeah, yeah. You 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 tend to always salute with your right hand, just just how it is. And uh, this dude was slipping his left, and it's like, oh, you can tell they got someone from the 501st to, uh, <laughs> to do this show. <laughs> That's okay. They did last but, season, too, for all those stormtroopers outside, uh, on, was it Navarro? Yeah, in the finale. Yeah. yeah, that was, it was so cool. I was, I was re-watching the Star Wars gallery. Which like, they're making a season, season two. One. Yeah, on Coming Christmas, out on Christmas. Day. I can't wait to watch that. But it was so cool seeing when the 501st showed up on set. They had no idea that they were going to be actually making Star Wars. And that they would be in Man, uh, the Mandalorian. So, so, like, if you watch that spe- that you know behind the scenes special, they're all like reacting in real time to it. And uh, do you know which one that was? Some of it. It was like which episode in the gallery? Right. right. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was it was either the process or connections. One of the two, like it was one of the last three episodes in the out of eight. Um, cool. cool, cool, cool. But they were so gracious, such cool people, and and hopefully, 
uh, after COVID, the two of us are able to get over to the next possible Star Wars celebration. Maybe 2022. And I'm 2022, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully um, we'll be uh, gainfully employed by then and can can afford the trip. <laughs> I know we will. Uh, things will work out. I'm I'm yeah. very positive. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we can meet some of those guys in the 501st. They oh, can yeah. Tell us their story. Dude, that's the thing. It's like, and I, we could do like a whole pod on this, but I would love to get into some of that like Star Wars cosplay. Like I wouldn't be like a hardo about it, but I'd love to get into it. You know, go to cons and costume and whatnot. Um, oh, I know. But like, it's so expensive. It's I so know. expensive. And especially to get it like tailored to your body. Right. Cause you have to like form it yourself. You buy like a kit and then you form it yourself and, and fit it. Um, and they're like thousands of dollars for like a good kit. Um, I don't know if I want to be like a, like a trooper definitely would want to be like a Jedi, do like a Jedi, uh, cosplay. Of course. Which was like, that was our plan when we were going to go to Galaxy's Edge and buy the, uh, the freaking like the Jedi and Sith robes. And we were going to, we were going to do it up, but then COVID happened and. Oh man, our trip didn't like. Not to no, please, go on too go, much no, of a no, tangent go, here. Go ahead, like, go ahead. I'll, this I'll, is I'll, a po- this is a podcast. That's what podcasts are. And thank you for being here if you're still listening to us. But we were planning out every detail of that trip. We had that, like it was our last semester at uh, Suffolk University, um, Boston, Massachusetts, Boston, Mass. And we had some major senioritis. Um, we were ready to. We were ready to be done. Dude, we were. Uh, we, were we were sitting. <laughs> we were sitting in class. I think it was one of our engineering courses. Uh, I say one of as if we took more than one. Oh no we no did, no! It, no, we it did was, have to take two science. Yeah, courses it was the. In our last uh, year. It was the physics class, wasn't it? We were sitting in physics in the front row, no less, because we were nerds, and we were making spreadsheets. We were making spreadsheets of like all the every, stuff. Every like piece of merch at Galaxy's every piece Edge of that we want to like purchase. Oh, we oh well, like... first of all, it was only prudent that we did that because that shit's expensive. Oh yeah. You know, if you need to know how much you need to, you know, have every account. Every creature at the creature stall, every Jedi garb and lightsaber and legacy hilt and like and blade that you know we wanted to purchase. Every food I we were like we were mapping out the food and drinks too in uh, Oga's Cantina everything every minute detail we were ready um it's all right we'll just gonna be on a hell of a trip we'll just put the plan into action in the future the uh the spreadsheet still exist <laughs> and you know uh, and if we do that together i'm sure we'll have some some vlog content some video content for you guys oh yeah that. that'll be oh yeah that'll be exciting hey there guys and welcome back to the jedi jargon youtube vlog <laughs> merry vlogmas yeah merry vlogmas ash and brian Shout out, always. Shout believe. out, Ash and Brian. I know. <laughs> yeah, they got some so great. Cool. They got some great content. Yeah, guys, check out uh, Always Believe on YouTube. They got some great content to uh, to couple out in LA, and they just film their life. I know. I know Brian. He is a uh, graphic designer, and he designed the Star Wars Force Awakens poster. Uh, I think it was the the Japanese or the German uh, Rise of Skywalker poster. He, he's a talented artist, and they do a lot of fun videos. Um, I know you and I aren't to that caliber with our with our video editing so we'll probably keep it to audio for now but we'll get there we'll get there we'll get there so where were we we were at yeah so they just got inside they just got inside and by the way not only were the stormtroopers cheering for mayfeld and mando but the the miners were as well and it was interesting to see like imperials who weren't like military folks that were just like regular workers um this is almost like as if they went to West Virginia and were like, "Hey, let's let's do a Star Wars 
<laughs> I know, right? So, and so, and all, and also, I I really didn't appreciate the return of like the beach trooper armor from the Scarif. Yeah, I don't know if it was. One. I don't know if it was exactly a store uh, a shore trooper, but it was very similar to it. Those are very similar, and it makes sense for that sort of climate right. to have that armor. Right. Or, I appreciate that coming back. Right. So they the two of them happen upon the the officer's mess and Maytheld's about to walk in and he sees uh, Valen Hess his former superior officer from his time in the imperial military and he does a quick 180 they make eye contact it's like oh god they know each other and so after some deliberations Mando says screw it I'll go in there and Maytheld's like what the hell man like it's gonna scan your face you can't take your helmet off and of course Mando goes in and you know throws has a salute and goes and tries to do exactly that and of course you know why would he think that scanning his helmet would work uh, and secondly what kind of security system do you have where all you need to do is scan your face it's like click all the things that are not fire hydrants and you can you too can have the you know the death star plans <laughs> no, i don't know man but as the machine starts counting down and a bunch of error noises start sounding mando removed his helmet without hesitation to let it scan his face. And this just goes back to what I was saying earlier. Mando is going to do anything that he can to get this child back. He's going to break all the rules and just go ham to get this kid back. So after he, you know, sticks his, his data stick in there and, and whatnot, data cylinder, uh, he gets the information, turns around, and Hess calls him over. And you can you can take it from there. So Hess calls him over. And he asks him for his designation. To which Mando responds, my designation is uh, transport. I'm a co you know, co-transport. Yeah, transport co-pilot. Right? Transport co-pilot. That right. is my designation. And, and, and we, when, you know, you and me sitting there were like, oh, that's not a designation. Right. <laughs> and, and he responds, no, no, your, your TK number trooper. And we just, you know, Din just totally freezes up here. He has no idea what to say. It's like the and just when he's about to break, right? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Our guy, Mayfeld, ever charming, ever green, comes in smooth as ever. Oh, that's TK five, something five, or five other. or something. Something or other. I'm TK something or other. Uh, you know, he's not too bright. He, what did he? What did he say happened to him? The story he made up. Uh, yeah, he said. He said, "This is TK five five five, my superior officer." Uh, <laughs> hey, let let's go. You know, five 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 or whatever his name. It wasn't five five five. Let's go file those TPS reports, which was funny. That was a that was a a reference to Office Space, which any internet memer would would recognize. Um, and. He said he like lost his hearing when his like cabin depressurized, and I forget what oh, battle yeah, yeah, yeah. in what battle he was referring to. Um, and then there's so he doesn't hear too good anymore, and they just call him Brown Eyes, which I thought was funny. It's like, how do you know his eye color? Because he was right. It's like you never, you didn't even make eye contact with him. Like he just took his helmet off, right? Which is just a funny observation. Like not that's not even me criticizing it. Um, I thought it was funny how he just picked it up that quick. Uh, so they start to walk away and. Hess says, you know, you're not dismissed. <laughs> and it's like, oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, shit. Here we go. It's going down. And 
he says, you know, you two are the only two tankers that made it back today. And by the way, uh, his Texas accent was so, or Texas or Southern accent uh, was was so good. It was just the right amount of slimy we needed for that. Right. Right. And that's not to say a Texas or Southern accent is slimy, but his was. And he was portrayed by Richard Brake. Richard Brake, uh, you may know him from Game of Thrones, where he portrayed the the Night King, both before and after his transformation. We won't get into the Game of Thrones lore too much. We're both still kind of recovering, salty, and recovering. You know, we're we're lapsed Thrones fans here. Um, yeah, we still appreciate the show and the fantastic like six seasons that there are of the, of the right program, but, but but just like house of cards game of thrones was a show that got wider but it unfortunately never got deeper right and i feel burned yeah um the, that's not why the listeners are here so let's not even go there, <laughs> so right? anyway so he, he played the night king in uh <laughs> game of thrones uh so excellent excellent villain so the three of them toast to Operation Cinder. Now, Jeff, do you want to go into a little bit of the history of Operation Cinder? Absolutely. So for those of you who have not played Star Wars Battlefront 2, and that is uh, Battlefront 2 2017 by EA, um, not Battlefront 205, um, the main story in that game followed Operation Cinder, which was a series of protocols, <clears throat> excuse me, set out by Palpatine to be carried out by whoever's left in the Empire in the case of his death. And the operation, as the name of you know, would suggest, was to basically burn down any sort of key planets to a crisp. If I can't have this Empire, nobody can. And that was the operation, basically, right? To take Rhydonium, to take um, you know, their biggest and baddest weapons to key planets and systems and destroy all of it. Um, and little did we know, uh, Mayfeld was, was there. Uh, he, they're toasting, right? What do I, what do I toast to? You know, good health? No. Something a little, it's too rote. That's what he says, right? Um, something something else. Mayfeld suggests Operation Cinder. Oh, this man knows his history, he says. No, no, no. I, I, I lived it. And Mayfeld was there, and this is where we learn a little bit more about Mayfeld. This is where we get some more depth to his character. Right? He's not just some smart-alecky Bostonian in space. He's a guy he's, who's seen some shit. He's a smart-alecky Bostonian in space who was a party to some pretty serious war crimes absolutely and clearly he's got a conscience you know he knows what he did and maybe those conversations earlier about doing what you have to do to sleep at night maybe he's speaking from experience maybe he had some sleepless nights for quite some time 
But as we see here, um, you know, he has a chance at redemption, right? It's really interesting. He, he does what he has to, right? Right. Right. And they go into a bit of, uh, you know, we, we, like you were saying, we get a real sense of the, of the shit that Mayfeld has seen. Um, and, and, and Hess refers to all of his fallen comrades, uh, because by the way, Operation Cinder, it was to take down the entire remnants of the empire, save for a chosen few who were set to go off into the unknown regions to rebuild, possibly go to Exegol, uh, become the Sith fleet or the first order. So Operation Cinder killed many of the empire's loyalists. So many of Mayfeld's comrades, right? And Hess says that they were all heroes of the Empire. And Mayfeld says, yeah, all dead. And this is like that moment in The Last Jedi when Poe says, you know, there were heroes on those ships after the opening battle. Um, and Leia says, yeah, dead heroes. And right. and then Hess says that the Rhydonium will be used to wreak havoc uh, in a similar way to Operation Cinder. And you can just see Mayfeld's eyes light up. And he knows he has to do something. Hess says, everyone thinks they want freedom, but what they really want is order. And when they realize that, they're going to come back to us with open arms. Now, by the way, we can just go off on a little side tangent for a sec. A big part of this episode, a big element was its political philosophies that it was that it was dishing out. You know, this idea that people inherently crave authoritarianism over freedom is interesting because Star Wars at its core was designed to portray a fight for freedom. And this is a counter narrative to that central ideology to the franchise. Here you have Hess saying, no, 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 people don't want freedom. They all think they do. They can't handle freedom. What they really want is central authority. And of course he's saying that. He's an imperial officer. But you have a guy like Mayfeld, who likely believed something like that at one point, who was then jaded by Operation Cinder, and is now seeing this object of his malcontent in Hess spewing this essentially propaganda right back at him. And this whole scene, by the way, um, was a masterclass in Tarantino, Tarant Tarantinian, should we say, suspense. Tarantinian, yes. Tarantinian suspense, uh, a la something out of Inglorious Bastards, or what have you, or Django Unchained. Uh, it directly reminded me of the scene in the basement bar from Inglorious Bastards. Now, what I like about this is that you got the same exact vibes in these in these two scenes, but it didn't feel like a carbon copy in the same way that the end of Rise of Skywalker did with the, the portals type scene, all the fleet, and then the I'm all the Jedi line with like I am Iron Man. It took the essence of it without being a carbon copy. And that's kind of what it should be. I think that if the ending that's of the what, Rise of Skywalker yeah. were a little more inspired by and instead of a carbon copy of 
that movie it would have worked better. It would have worked better. It would have worked better. Because and that's people... the thing with uh, the Mandalorian, right? Is that it it adopts all these familiar tropes from different genres, right? That's what uh, Favreau was going for, and that's why he brought in all these different minds to help craft this series. He brought in Filoni, uh, brought in uh, Taika Waititi, Bryce Dallas Howard, Deb Chow, Rick Fauniwa, the director of this episode. All these different minds who have worked on so many different types of movies together to really craft something unique. Familiar, but also unique in many ways. Right. That's why the show works so well. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I love it. It's my right. like favorite piece of Star Wars, and probably since the prequels. Uh, not gonna lie. Uh-huh. Right now, if I could just say, by the way, I know that it's kind of in vogue to to poo poo Disney Star Wars on the internet. The, the sequel trilogy, yeah. The sequel trilogy, but like Disney Star Wars, kind of like in general, like people don't. You won't see anyone bad mouthing the Mandalorian or the Clone Wars, but you will people see people that are just saying that Disney ruined Star Wars, which is not true. Disney saved Star Wars. I completely believe that. Like, sure, the sequels weren't perfect. I think they're going to age decently well. And in 15 to 20 years, just like with the prequels, people are going to love them. That's just the way it is. You know, people grew up with them and they and they learned to love them. And, and that's just how it happens. But if you look at season seven of The Clone Wars, if you look at Star Wars Rebels, if you look at The Mandalorian, Disney has, uh, furthermore, Rogue One. Rogue One was a masterpiece. I watched it two nights ago. It was great. You know, it, it's 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 only grown on me. You know, Disney has single-handedly saved Star Wars. Not that it was going anywhere, but we weren't really getting new content. You know, it kind of was what it was. It was going to become, you know, George uh, Lucas couldn't have done it. You know, forever on his own. Um, exactly. So anyway, so we we, we digress. I, I I truly believe that Disney saved Star Wars. You know, while the while the the, the sequel trilogy was a little misguided. And its execution and its planning and whatnot, you know, I can I can look past that because if we're they getting... didn't, yeah, and if they didn't save it, it couldn't be in any better hands, right? Like, what better right. hands could it be in than Disney? Right, right. So, so back to the Mandalorian here for a little bit. Uh, when Hess says, you know, everyone thinks they want freedom, but what they really want is order. Blah blah blah. Mando gives Mayfell the look, and don't do, it. don't do it. He's like, don't do it. And Mayfeld just smiles, pulls up his blaster, shoots him right in the chest. And, and I'm glad he they did look it. they look back at each other one more time, and it's like, oh shit, here we go. You, you really did that, didn't you? He's got he doesn't regret anything though. No, no he's that's didn't. what's so good about that decision. Um, yeah, and Mando Mando has the stones to not be like, Why'd you do that? Blah 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 blah. We were almost out of here. It's like, no, they're both fighters, they're both, you know, scrappers, they're gonna get out of there. They were in the clear. <laughs> What are you doing? Yeah, it's like we know what we got to do. Just execute the mission, and that's what they do. They they fight their way out of there. Uh, they kick open the the window behind them, and then you see Fennec Shan and Cara Dune providing sniper overwatch uh, and just shooting all the guys that are coming at them. Boba Fett takes off in Slave One to go uh, to exfil these guys, and Mando before they leave the the room, uh, Mayfeld hands Mando his helmet, and he says. I never saw your face. And <laughs> and that was beautiful for multiple reasons. Number one, uh, it was like, you don't have to tell anyone that I saw you. 
you don't have to have betrayed your, uh, you know, the Mandalorian creed. Uh, and at the same time, you know, I'm concerned for my safety because you said last season, no one ever living has seen your face, you know, since, since you <laughs> became like Mandalorian. His own so he's like True. considering his own safety <laughs> because at the end of the day, it, you know, at the end of the episode, it's, you kind of see in his body language that, that Mayfeld's kind of a bit of a, not a, he, he's a survivor, you know, he'll do whatever it takes to survive. So that's his survival instincts. Right. Right. So. And respect too. To right. A extent. Right. So Fennec Shand, uh, from the top rope with the with the Overwatch, uh, taking out all the the troopers that are going after them, and then Boba shows up in the Slave One, and Mando and Mayfeld get on, and Mayfeld asks Mando for the Cycler rifle, which is the same rifle that the Sand People use on Tatooine that uh, Boba Fett had, and he shoots and destroys the Rhydonium back in the compound, uh, and tells Mando everyone's got to sleep at night. So, and then as they're leaving, uh, we see that the Slave One is getting tailed by two TIE Fighters. Now, as soon as I saw them tailing Slave One, I don't know about you, but I knew. I knew what was coming next. I knew that Boba Fett was going to drop a seismic charge. Just ripped a fat one on him. Ripped a fat one. <laughs> ripped a fat one on him. Dude. Oh. And, and you see the look that Fennec Shand and Cara Dune just, like, give to each other it's like huh that's pretty neat yeah meanwhile like all of us prequel people are just like oh my god right the, everybody's like rewinding <laughs> i'm pretty sure i watched it like five times that in my first <laughs> yeah so uh. so they land and mando's got his his best scar back on and cara dune ends up letting mayfield go saying huh Prisoner 326647, whatever his number was, died in a mining explosion on Morak. So, you know, too he, bad. He, it's too bad. Too bad. So he, he he's free to go. Going to bend the rules a little bit. And Mayfeld's like, oh, really? Like, you're not going to shoot me? Really? No, take, <laughs> no takesies, backsies? I can go for reals? And he, he scampers off like a little, like a little, you know, little... That's not the last we're going to see of him, though. And no, it can't be. It can't I, be. I mentioned this in our in our last pod. And I'll say it again. Uh, when he shot the facility and Cara Dune noticed, to me, and I know that the show may not necessarily be a, like fault, like uh, the show Rangers of the New Republic may not necessarily follow Cara Dune. Mm-hmm. But if it does, that's like some big hinting that like she knows where he stands now and that if she needs, a, you know, some, some help, he's probably the go to guy. Because um, he has it in and uh, in for the Empire now, you know, and she knows it. So, if by some chance Rangers of the New Republic follows Cara Dune, I'm really hoping Migs Mayfield is part of that crew too. Uh, that'd be awesome, you know. Oh yeah, it'd be so interesting, right, to see someone who's not even really all that about the New Republic movement, you know, not necessarily even a rebel, a former stormtrooper just gone rogue that you know he was part of operation cinder and it soured him completely it changed him changed his life that would be so interesting right i'd love to see him at the forefront of that show um, i think it's entirely possible i think it'd be pretty cool i would be for it 100 percent. so they take off and then we cut to uh 
Moff Gideon's light cruiser. And one of his troopers, one of his, his officers comes in and says, uh, Moff Gideon, we have this for you. You might want to check this out. And it is a hollow of Din Djarin quoting back to him his little soliloquy, his little taken speech from last season. And he says, you have something I want. You may think you know what you are in possession of, but you do not. And I forget the rest of it, but um, it's basically like, I will do anything to get this kid back. Like, I'm coming for that ass. The child means more to me than you'll ever know. Right. Right. Uh, I'm ready for it, man. I'm ready for tomorrow's episode. Uh, it's going to be the ultimate showdown. The band is back together. We're going to get Mando, Boba Fett, Cara Dune, Fennec Shand are going to bust tail to get Grogu back. Who now, knows who else, right? Well, let me ask you. Do you think Ahsoka and or Bo-Katan will return? I hope they both do, because I love them both. I just wonder. I just wonder how they will get them back <laughs> in the course of the episode, because they're both in two separate places. See, here's the thing. You'd think that Bo-Katan would come back, because, you know, obviously Moff Gideon has the Darksaber and, and whatnot. You know, she doesn't know all that information, so I wonder. Now, do we know how long tomorrow's episode is supposed to be? We don't. We don't even know the name of it yet. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. I hope it's a longer one. I'm not trying to watch a 25-minute episode and have to wait a year. That would suck, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be so That bad. would be so awful. Dude, even if it's, like, the best one yet. How like, much do you want to bet? How much do you want to bet we're going to be left on a cliffhanger? Whatever it is. Yeah. He's not going to get the kid back. There's no way. There's, it's going to go... It's going to be, like, a really dark... It's going to be a John Open-ended Snow. ending. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it'd be kind of wild if they killed Dindran. I don't think they're going to do that yet, though. Well, you have season three, and they already know that he's coming back for season three. Right. You know what I mean? It could be a misdirect. He could just be dead. Who knows? Mm. That would be wild. I don't see that happening. I don't happening. see that happening. I'm just kind of, I'm, that just, would be wild. Wild I'm just throwing be, out a wild card I'll here, agree with you. Know? That would be wild because I don't see that happening. Right. Right. Um. But I do think that it's going to end on a cliffhanger. I, I just I just foresee that happening. So do you think Ahsoka or... But you asked me, and I said I would love to see it. I don't know if it's going to happen. I think it's more likely that we see Bo-Katan, because she has kind of a vested interest. I think it's more likely that um, we're going to see Ahsoka, because Din Djarin knows where she is. Yeah, and like she could have seen him when he was on that stone, and you know, kind of had second thoughts, like, oh, I should... I should probably help him out. Right. And I honestly don't know if I believe that they would make this big hollabaloo to bring in Rosario Dawson just for a one-episode cameo as, like, a pilot for her own spinoff. Like, they probably could, and that'll be fine. Like, if they don't bring either Bo-Katan or Ahsoka back, I'll be fine with it. Like, the episode's still gonna be crazy, right? It would just be awesome if they brought them back. Now, do I really think they are? Probably not. They're probably not gonna bring them back. Because the crew is laser-focused, they have the coordinates... They're not making any more pit stops. It's like, we got to get to Grandma's house by noon. No McDonald's, no bathroom stops. They're <laughs> holding it. If, but it would make sense for Mando, if he knows how to contact her, to contact Bo-Katan, say, like, I know where he is. Because mm-hmm. right. she's looking for him, too. So I wouldn't be surprised if at the beginning he contacts but they never, her. But they never spoke about that. If you go back to the episode, they never mentioned Moff Gideon to each other. She never mentioned to him, that's my mission right now. I'm trying to get the Darksaber. Because if she had, it would have solved a lot of problems. Right. 
But wasn't he in the room when she like had that imperial up against the wall and she was like, Where's Moff Gideon? You need to take me to him. I don't think she ever said Moff Gideon. Unfortunately. Maybe no, but like didn't the guy didn't the captain who killed he said, himself say he said, it? If you are if you're if you're asking, you already know the answer. Well, I'll, I, I will have to go back and watch that again. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Regardless, so, regar- regardless, yeah, we don't. So know. let's let's get into some major themes of the episode, right? So I got a couple here. I got vulnerability, in the sense of Mando. His, all of his cards are on the table. He is, you know, one track mind trying to get Grogu back. He'll do anything to do that, and that is exemplified by him, you know, changing his armor taking off his helmet, um, working with a, a previous foe in, in Mayfeld. Uh, the desperation that is inherent in his quest to get Grogu back as well. Uh, the trust that he has to place in Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, uh, and Mayfeld. You know, two of them, Fennec Shand and Mayfeld, being previous adversaries. And then the teamwork that, and that goes hand-in-hand hand with trust. You know, we kind of get the... It's kind of like the A-team in space a little bit. I know I said that about the Bad Batch, but now that the team's all together, you know, it's kind of like the A-team in space. Uh, now, some of the broader themes in this episode, I think, are the the social critiques that it has for, you know, critiquing colonialism and imperialism. Um, both of those were observed through the villagers on Morak that we saw them drive by, uh, as well as the pirates slash insurgents. You right. Know, um, it's like get off of our land, you know. Let us be. And when, uh, when Mayfeld was talking about, you know, it doesn't really make a difference, you know, whatever side you're on. It's almost like a, like a DJ esque f- DJ from Return of the Jedi. His commentary on the nature of war. Um, who's who's the good guys? Who's the bad guys? They're kind of the same thing. Um, right. And as well as Hess's commentary on the nature of authoritarianism as well. So. And, 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 and it goes to serve that the, the, the notion that both the Empire and the New Republic, you know, th- it's all morally relative. There is what I believe they're making the case for. I don't believe the Empire is morally relative to the New Republic, but I think that they're making a case for moral relativism. So this really goes to show that the New Republic um, as well, it, it's in a more nuanced light. Now, not merely like the good guys that we were led to believe uh, that they are. Right, so because we, when we watch Star Wars, like the old Star Wars up to the prequels, it's all you know, the Republic is good, the Rebels are good, the Empire is bad, the Separatists are bad, and this is going to show the New Republic in a more nuanced light. Like, hey, maybe they're not so good. Maybe the Empire um, and the New Republic share a lot of characteristics. Right. Right. And maybe people just crave that order that the New Republic. Uh, can't give them that the empire gave them and later on the first order did so right we we actually did see some of that in rogue one too right like how the rebellion is desperate you know like it granted we're not talking about the new republic talking about the rebellion but same thing right like they're so desperate to free the the galaxy that they're willing to go pretty far to do so Right, they're willing to cross some lines, as uh, as Mayfeld mentioned in this episode. You know, like right. You know, right. we're all 
you know, we're all, uh, you know, good, but, you know, there are some lines that some of us have to cross when things get crazy. Uh, exactly. Exactly. And that, that's for every, that's for all sides, you know? And I think, I think it'd be interesting to see how they explore that sort of stuff in Cassian Andor's series. I think that's a really good opportunity for them to explore some of those themes. I completely agree. Now, as we wrap up today's episode, we unfortunately have to note the passing of Mr. Jeremy Bullock. Now, Jeremy Bullock was the original actor who played the role of Boba Fett in the original Star Wars trilogy. He passed today, December 17th, uh, at the age of 75, at a hospital in London, surrounded by his family. Uh, He was long a fan favorite in the Star Wars universe. He was still is. He was ever present at conventions, Star Wars celebrations, beloved by many of the fans and an all-around great guy. I know we saw Mark Hamill, uh, Billy D Williams, Eunice Wotomo, uh, and a lot of the other Star Wars actors paying tribute to Jeremy Bullock today on online. Uh, he will be sorely missed uh, and we thank him here at Jedi Jargon for everything he brought to the role of Boba Fett in his under three minutes of total screen time. He had two minutes and like 45 seconds of screen time. That's crazy. As Boba Fett. Now, he also played a couple other roles uh, in Star Wars. He played a character, he had a cameo in uh, Revenge of the Sith. I believe he was a a pilot of some sort. Uh, And as well as uh, in The Empire Strikes Back, he played an Imperial officer, which is really funny. so he he was the body of Boba Fett, uh, later replaced by Tamara Morrison's voice, um, and a legend, and a legend. In under three minutes of screen time, minimal screen time, became one of the most beloved characters in all of Star Wars simply because of his body language. Um, and I think he was the model for Pedro Pascal in doing The Mandalorian, and how to use body language to convey more than words ever could. 100%. Without Jeremy Bullock's portrayal, we wouldn't have... The Mandalorian. Yes. The Force will be with him, always. And remember, and guys, remember, I'll let you take it. I said it enough. And remember, for all of you listeners, the pod will be with you, always.
Yeah, I am. Really? Yeah. Do you think I could get your number or something? No, I gotta go. I'm sorry. Thanks. Thanks. Wait! 